0: Hello and welcome to episode 82 of ERRX, a podcast tailored to your clinical needs. I'm your host, Adis Carrick, and in part two of the Bad Shrooms mini grand round series, I'll be talking about treatment options for amatoxin toxicity. If you haven't heard episode 81 yet, where I talked about the background of poisonous mushrooms and the toxicokinetics of amatoxin, it would be a great idea to do that before you dive into this episode. The first thing we should do when we suspect amatoxin toxicity is contact the local poison control center or your tox service. Patients with acute liver failure should be transferred to a liver transplant center, all the while focusing on optimal supportive cares. This includes addressing things that can commonly happen with liver toxicity, like treating hypoglycemia and giving lactulose for hyperammonemia, as well as managing things like AKI, sepsis, hepatic encephalopathy, and cerebral edema. Amatoxins have a low volume of distribution of about 0.3 liters per kilogram and are less than 1% protein bound. They are excreted in the urine and biliary tract, and they undergo enterohepatic recirculation for up to 5 days after ingestion. So GI decontamination with multi-dose activated charcoal should be attempted to reduce this recirculation. Activated charcoal is given at a dose of 0.5 grams per kilogram every 4 hours and is typically continued until 4 days after ingestion. In addition to charcoal, we should optimize renal excretion by giving patients IV fluids to maintain a urine output of 100 to 200 mLs per hour. Also remember that there is no role for hemodialysis since these toxins are not dialyzed out. Remember that I mentioned that amatoxins are delivered to the liver by OATP transporters? Well, prevention of amatoxin uptake at the cellular level is another major treatment strategy. And this is where a really cool drug comes in. Silibinin, an extract of the Mediterranean milk thistle, is produced by myelin under the brand name Legalon-SIL. It's the most potent inhibitor of amatoxin uptake, has the cleanest side effect profile, and is the most well-studied for this indication. It also stimulates RNA polymerase, has antioxidant effects, and increases amatoxin excretion into the bile. Silibinin is most effective if given within 24 hours of ingestion. It's given as an IV load of 5 mg per kilogram, then a continuous infusion of 20 mg per kilogram per day for 6 days or until clinical recovery. The most common side effects are flushing and itching. The kicker is that Silly isn't available in the U.S., but you can get it for emergency compassionate use as an investigational product. If you're in the U.S., you can get a hold of it through expanded access by contacting the FDA. Once you do that and get an expanded access IND number, you have to complete and email a form to the manufacturer. Once you do this, a customer service rep will send you the Legalon patient treatment plan for specific instructions on how to administer Silly I'll link all of the contact information for the FDA and the manufacturer to the show notes, on the episode transcript, and on the blog at errxpodcast.com should you ever need to use this. From personal experience, psilabinan can take a couple of days to arrive. But in the meantime, super high doses of IV penicillin G can also inhibit amatoxin uptake, although not as well as psilabinan. Penicillin G is given as a continuous infusion of 300,000 to 1 million units per kilogram per day with a maximum dose of 40 million units per day. If the patient has a real penicillin allergy, we can give IV ceftazidine again at super high doses of 4.5 grams IV every two hours as an alternative. As you can imagine, neither of these two are as safe as celibinin with their potential side effects of seizures, electrolyte imbalances, interstitial nephritis, and renal tubular damage, especially at these really high doses. And once that silibinin arrives, turn off the penicillin G and discontinue the ceftazidime infusions since they have no role when given in combination with silibinin. To round out our optimal treatment, we should also give some antioxidants like IV and acetylcysteine using the same regimen as that used for acetaminophen toxicity. Other suggested treatments include cimetidine at a dose of 300mg IV every 8 hours, and vitamin C 3 grams IV daily. These two have only shown improved outcomes in animal models, but given their safety profile, they are still recommended for human intoxications as well. And finally, as I mentioned earlier, if the poisoning is bad enough and all of these treatments are failing, liver transplantation may be the only thing that will save your patient. So, to wrap up the series, mushrooms that contain amatoxin are rare, but they are easy to confuse for edible safe mushrooms. Eating as little as 1 to 2 mushroom caps can potentially be fatal. Once the amatoxins are absorbed from the intestine, they're sent to the liver by OATP transporters, and once there, they cause apoptosis of cells by inhibiting RNA polymerase. Treatment is largely supportive, by managing the common syndromes associated with liver failure, And by providing IV agents like psilobionin and N-acetylcysteine, we can keep mortality rates to less than 5%. As always, thank you so much for your time, and thank you for wanting to learn more about pharmacotherapy. If you have any comments or anything you'd like to add to this episode, please give me a shout out on the ERRX Podcast Instagram page, or reach out to me on errxpodcast.com. I'd love to respond to all comments and criticisms. I also want to take a second to shout out friend of the pod and amazing PA resident, Danielle, for her very generous donation on buymeacoffee.com. Donations like hers keep the podcast running and free for everyone. If you'd like to sponsor an episode, the link to donate is super easy to get to. It's linked in the bottom of the episode description wherever you get your podcasts, on YouTube, and on the website. I'll see you next time.